0: All right. I think in our minds, the transition from the video to the sermon was a lot cooler. But um, anyways, uh, so great to see everyone here. Uh, it's a good, uh, good almost afternoon. Um, my name is Jason. I serve as the lead pastor here at Citizens. Uh, especially if you're new or visiting for the first time, I really want to welcome you. Uh, to give you a little bit of context, each year we come up with a theme as a staff, that we feel like is in line with what God is doing in our community in that specific season. Uh, If you've been with us for over a year, um, then you know that our theme last year was a spirit-filled life. And so um, all of our ministries were kind of built around that theme, all of our teaching series, all of the new initiatives we launched were created with the purpose of helping our community become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. Uh, Well, as you just saw in the video, our theme for this year is Childlike Wonder. And part of where this theme came from was a Bible reading group that we offered last spring. And it was really just a group of us who got together for four weeks and literally just read the Bible together. We read Genesis 1 to 4 in succession, and it was amazing. And, you know, one of the things um, we were thinking about was that was a season in our church when we were experiencing a lot of rapid growth. Um, I think our staff was feeling a lot of pressure to, you know, come up with new, exciting, cutting-edge initiatives. And I think we kind of had to pause. And um, myself and our community life director, Hannah, who presided today, we facilitated that group together. And, and that uh, experience was so refreshing for us because it was so simple, you know, There were no bells and whistles, there was actually nothing cutting edge about it. Again, it was just a group of people sitting around a table discovering God's word, um, digging into God's word together. And um, we said that no questions were off limits. We told everyone um, there's no such thing as being heretical you know, in this experience. Um, just come with all your questions, come with your curiosity. And it was an opportunity for all of us to just be kids again. And it was such a beautiful experience for us that we thought, man, what would it look like in this season of our church when we feel like we're really growing up as a community? What would it look like for us to actually become more childlike in our faith? Um, to to really experience God and his word through the eyes of a child. And we thought, what better way to do that than to preach through a children's Bible and to kind of revisit a lot of the stories that many of us grew up with in Sunday school. So stories like Noah's Ark, um, David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, each week, um, you know, if you're a parent in the room, you may know about this book. It's called The Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, I've read it to my kids. Um, we actually have copies available for purchase at the info table for 15 bucks. Um, You can also buy it on Amazon for the same price. Um, and actually... Every story, um, every title in the Jesus Storybook Bible is gonna coincide with the title of the sermon here. So you can pretty much follow along week to week. Again, if you're a parent, great opportunity to read the book with your kids and follow along with us in real time. Um, As someone who's read it multiple times, I can tell you it's just as transformative for adults as it is for children, Um, especially if you're someone for whom the Bible is extremely intimidating, because I know that the Bible can be an intimidating book. Um, when you look at it, you're like, man, all these stories, I don't understand, I can't make sense of it, everything feels really disconnected, I would recommend grabbing a copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible because it will change the way you read the Bible, and you will learn, it will actually help you read the Bible the way it was meant to be read, as a story not as a, uh, you know, collection of scholarly articles, not as a history or science textbook or a book of rules, but as one unified story about Jesus, right? And there is a reason that the first words in Scripture are in the beginning, okay? This is story language. It's like once upon a time, right? It's like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, okay? In the beginning, right? The way God has chosen to reveal himself to humanity is through a story, And the difference between this story and other stories is that this story is true. And according to Psalm 19, which we're looking at today, this story is revealed in both creation and in the Word of God. So if you would turn with me to Psalm 19. And because this is more of an introduction to our sermon series, I'm not gonna go verse by verse here, but I do wanna show us something from Psalm 19. If you're following along on a mobile device and you can choose your translation, I'm gonna be reading from the NIV. Okay, Psalm 19, and we're going to start with the first six verses here. This is the reading of God's word. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So, in these first six verses of Psalm 19, we learn that creation itself is telling us a story about God, about who he is and what he's done about his power, and his beauty, and his love for humanity. Every time the sun rises in the morning, it's telling us a story about who God is, that God is consistent, that God is faithful, that God is always gonna show up for you day after day. Every time it rains, every droplet of water is telling a story about who God is, that we worship a God who replenishes, who nourishes us, who takes hearts of stone and turns them into hearts of flesh, who makes who, who gives us life. When we look at the sky and the trees and all that God has created, it's telling us a story about God's character, about his intentionality, about his creativity, a God who crafts everything with purpose and with design. But not only does God reveal himself in creation, we also learn in this Psalm that he reveals himself in his word. So if we keep going, They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. So everything that is implicit in creation is explicit in his word. Creation is telling God's story without words. Scriptures are telling God's story with words. All to say God is a master storyteller who is telling the world a beautiful story about who he is and what he's done. And this story if internalized, has tremendous power to change us. Because you see, the stories we tell ourselves, they matter. The stories we believe have huge consequences for the rest of our lives, and this is because we are story-shaped creatures. Story is hardwired into our brains. It's how we make sense of the things that happen to us. Why are movies and books and songs so powerful? Because they all tell stories that form our understanding of the world. Sometimes I'll get up here and I'll give a 30-minute sermon, and the only thing people remember is the story that I told, right? It's like half discouraging and half encouraging because I realized, wow, stories are powerful. They matter. This is why representation in the media is so important, right? Because if you're getting only stories about one group of people through the eyes of one group of people, that's going to send implicit messages about which stories are worth telling, about who matters in our society and who doesn't. Yeah, I've watched um, the documentary on Jeremy Lin that came out in 2022, uh, "38 at the Garden," a couple times now, and you realize as you watch that that Lin's sanity wasn't just about one guy, right? It was about somebody changing the story. It was about somebody reframing the narrative. Right? Linsanity had the cultural impact that it did because it changed the story for Asian Americans, a story that said we could never compete at the highest level of the NBA. It basically reframed that story for us all together. And I think there are many kids who grew up with a different story because of Linsanity. Story is how we answer so many of the fundamental questions of humanity. Who am I? Where do I belong? Why do I exist? What went wrong? And how do I get back home? The stories we believe shape the way we interact with others, they shape the way we vote. They shape who we choose to be in community with. Nobody is born a racist, right? Racism is learned behavior. Sometimes it starts in the morning, or starts at, in the, dinner, at the dinner table uh, with parents who tell stories right who talk about those people who are like that and all of a sudden those perceptions are then reinforced in the media they may be reinforced by certain lived experiences and all of a sudden give it enough time and we start to believe these stories are true and we start and these stories begin to shape how we view and interact with quote those people our social media algorithms are telling us a story Every night, when you crawl into bed with your home, you may not believe this, little do you know that your phone is basically saying, hey, come here, let me tell you a bedtime story. Right? And we may not understand this and we may not know this is happening, but this is absolutely happening. This is doing something to us. And what we're seeing in the world right now is a crisis of story. Fake news, misinformation, false narratives that have left our world in utter disarray. So much division, so much hostility, so much violence because of the stories we've chosen to believe. And let me make it a little bit more concrete for us. Think about how fast your view of a person can change after hearing one story about them. This is why gossip is so deadly. Because all it takes is one story to reframe your perception of a person altogether. And this is what happens. We hear a story, and then we start to look for that story. And then something happens in our brains where we're like, you know what, he is like that. I've seen him do exactly that. And suddenly you hear the story and you tell yourself the story enough, and you start to believe that story is true. And we don't don't just do this to other people, we do this to ourselves. A child is abandoned by his or her parents at a young age and without even knowing they begin to tell themselves a story that says the people you love will always leave you. And so this child grows up keeping everyone at an arm's length, grows up struggling to trust people, grows up struggling to cultivate meaningful friendships meaningful relationships, to cultivate romantic relationships, because the moment someone starts to come close, they immediately push them away. Because even the thought that this person might leave them at some point hurts too much. And when they finally build up the courage to make themselves vulnerable to someone, and God forbid that person ends up ghosting them, it only reinforces the overarching story they've already been telling themselves their entire lives the people who love you will always leave you. A child grows up in a home where they were only rewarded when they brought home straight A's or when they accomplished something great. And so this child begins to internalize a story that says, your value and worth is based on what you do, not who you are. This story is then reinforced in a world where they are rewarded with promotions for their performance. It's reinforced in a society, in communities, in churches, where all of a sudden they realize people treat them differently once they find out what they do for a living. When they realize all of a sudden their success and their influence opens doors and opportunities for them that they never had before, and it registers in their mind, oh, so that story is true, that it is about what I do rather than about who I am. And so their lives, their entire lives becomes living in that story, constantly trying to prove themselves in order to be worthy of love and acceptance. In this story, failure isn't an option because nobody loves a failure. Nobody would care about them for simply existing. In this story, to just be who you are isn't enough. A child grows up and at a young age experiences a series of small losses. They don't get the lead role in the school play because they didn't have the right look. They didn't look the part. A couple years later, right before tennis team tryouts, they get injured and they don't make the team. Sends them into a depression. They're not motivated in school anymore. Their grades falter. They don't get into the college they wanna go and all of a sudden now they're worried about the future. They feel like all their career aspirations are down the drain. And all of a sudden, they begin to tell themselves a story that these things just always tend to happen to them, that they're always missing their opportunity, always one step behind everyone else, and the story that they begin to tell themselves is nothing ever goes my way, I'm a victim. And this is not in any way to minimize the very real pain this person or people have experienced. But the danger of internalizing this story is that this person now sees their entire life through the lens of victimhood. Nobody understands me, nobody knows what I've been through. I never win. And they take this mindset into every relationship and every situation thereafter. And the moment something bad happens, rather than take responsibility for it, they continue to rehearse the same narrative over and over and over again. Well, that always happens to me. I always get screwed, and nobody understands because that is the story of my life. You see, there is profound power in the stories we tell ourselves. Okay, I wanna do something a little bit interactive today. Okay, so open up your phone. Okay, you have my permission. Open up your phone. Okay, just ignore the fantasy uh, notifications, okay? Um, find your note, uh, notes app or wherever you jot down your notes. And I want you to write down, or at least uh, put a little note there for you to think about later what you think is the overarching story of your life. What is the story you've been telling yourself? What is the story you use to make sense of the world, the story that informs all the decisions you make because believe it or not, you are taking this story everywhere you go. You are embodying this story to everyone around you. When people experience you as a person, more often than not, they're experiencing the story you've been telling yourself. What is the story you've been taught to believe? What is your script? Maybe for some of us it's a story that says it's not okay to make mistakes. Maybe for some of us the story is you exist to please everyone. Maybe for some of us, the story is, you don't deserve to rest, or to enjoy your life. Maybe for some of us, the story is that you're an imposter, or a failure, or that you're not allowed to depend on people, or maybe it's a story that says, you always need more, that you never have enough, that you need more to be happy. What is the story that's holding you hostage? And you will know if you are in the right story or the wrong story based on the fruit that story produces. Is the story producing more joy, more happiness, more contentment, more love, more peace? Or is it producing more anxiety, more insecurity, more jealousy, more comparisons, more discontentment? Do you find that the relationships in your life are generally healthy? Or do you find that you're constantly at odds with people or yourself? Because these are the consequences of living in the wrong story. Psalm 19 is an invitation to live in a different story. God's story that he's been writing from eternity past. This story that David says refreshes the soul makes wise the simple, gives joy to the heart, and light to the eyes. Well, what is this story? What is this story that's embedded both in creation and in the Word of God that David says is more precious than pure gold and sweeter than honey from the honeycomb? And the answer is found in Hebrews 1. I'm going to read just the first three verses. It says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. The story revealed in creation and the story revealed in God's word finds its climax and its fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the one all of creation and everything in the word of God is pointing to, who's the one this story is all about. In John 1, we read, the word became flesh and dwelt Among us, meaning Jesus is the word of God, fully revealed. He is the culmination and embodiment of this entire story. And in Jesus, we find a better story than the stories we've been taught to believe. We discover the truest story about who we are. For the person who's been taught to believe that those you love will always leave you, the story of Jesus tells a different story. It tells the story of a God who understands what abandonment feels like, who is abandoned by his closest friend, his friends in his darkest hour, and yet who traveled unthinkable distances for the ones he loves. The story of Jesus tells the story of a God who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, a God who stays even when everyone around us leaves for the person who's been taught to believe that their value and worth is based on what they do and not who they are. The story of Jesus is the story of a God who died for us while we were yet sinners. When we hadn't done a thing to prove ourselves, when we hadn't achieved anything, when we hadn't proven proven ourselves worthy, It's a story about a God who loved us exactly as we are with all of our flaws and imperfections, a God who loved us simply for existing. Every parent knows what this feels like. To look at your newborn who doesn't offer any tangible benefit to your life, who cannot eat or cannot walk without your help, and you're looking down at this like alien-looking creature again, who offers you no benefit, and yet you love this child simply for existing. For those of us who've been taught to believe that everything always goes wrong for us, that nobody understands us, that life is just a whole bunch of events that happen to us, the story of Jesus is a story that both exposes us and encourages us. On one hand, it reminds us that as much as we are often victims of the sin that exists in the world, we're also just as much guilty of the sin that exists in the world. That it was us who put Jesus on the cross. It teaches us to acknowledge our sin and acknowledge our need for a Savior. But it doesn't just expose us, it also encourages us because it's a story that says no matter what has happened to you and no matter what you've done, sin does not have the final word over your life. It does not have the power to define you. When the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What he's saying is that the things that used to define me no longer have the power to define me. For all those things have been crucified with Christ. The false narratives that used to define me no longer have the power to define me. Because the old self has been crucified with Christ. You see, if you can change your story, you can change your life. I think many of us think we need our circumstances to change in order to experience true joy and satisfaction and freedom. No, it's not your circumstances that need to change. It's your story that needs to change. There are many things in life we don't get to choose. And I know some of us have had some difficult experiences. And we don't always get to choose the things that happen to us, but we get to choose which story we tell ourselves when they do. Because stories matter. And here's the really amazing thing. Not only can we change the story we tell ourselves, but because Christ lives in us, we can now be instruments of that change for someone else. I guarantee you, at this moment, if you were to think hard enough, There is somebody in your orbit right now who has lived their entire life believing that nobody would accept them if they shared the darkest parts of their lives with them. You have the opportunity to either reinforce that story or change it. To say, there's nothing you could tell me about yourself that would ever stop me from loving you because I worship a God who would never stop loving me. Who loves me with all of my flaws and imperfections I believe that there is nothing that could separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I guarantee you there's a person in your orbit right now who has lived their entire life believing that their value is in their usefulness, that they're only worthy of love when they offer you a benefit. Think about what you could do to change that story. I wonder how their life would change if they were to meet someone whose love was not transactional who didn't see themselves, who didn't see the other person as someone to extract something from. I wonder how people's lives would change. What kind of a story would you be able to tell that person about the God you worship? Friends, this is why we gather every Sunday. What we're doing here each week is we're rehearsing, we're recalling, we're revisiting the story of Jesus, the greatest story ever told And we're doing this to resist all the false narratives we've been trained to believe. And our hope is not only that we adopt the story of Jesus for ourselves, but that we become embodiments of that story everywhere we go. Every story we're going to be looking at in the Jesus Storybook Bible is going to be one huge signpost pointing us to the larger story of Jesus. Behind every single story in Scripture is a story about a Savior who loves you, who's with you, who goes before you, who wants to carry you home. And so our prayer is that over the next nine months, this story would become the story that defines our lives. Let's pray. I want to give us a moment uh, to let Uh, The words sink in a little bit. And whatever you, I want you to think about what you wrote down in your notes or take a moment to think again. What is the false story that you've been telling yourself? What are the narratives you've been taught to believe And I want you to ask yourself the question, how does the gospel resist that story? What does Jesus say about it? Who does Jesus say that I am? Lord, I know many of us come to church carrying a lot of baggage. We come to church telling ourselves the story of our lives. For many, it's that we're unlovable, that we're not worthy, we're not enough, that we need to do more, We need to have more. We need to be more. And I pray in this moment that you would help us to become like children again. To receive the immense love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. To realize that we worship a God who loves us simply for existing. God, I pray that this story would become the banner over our lives over the next nine months. That as we discover and rediscover the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that more than anything, you would make Jesus beautiful to us. You would make his story ours. We thank you for this word that you've given us this morning. Uh, We entrust our hearts and our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.